Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 142, where in a moment we chat life insurance. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. In our programmes today, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and Loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time, we asked, is now a good time to buy a property? In the company of our guest expert, Tony Lister of Hamish Homes. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. I have to say, I'm, I'm fairly certain that it may have been a long time ago now, but we must have covered off life insurance on at least one occasion. So why again now? We have, we've, I was having a look back and we have covered it in quite a few different shows in, in different kind of ways. Um, episode seven, we did life insurance on an ex-partner or spouse. That, that's a really important one. It's one that often gets overlooked. Um, episode 48 was getting to grips with the basics of life insurance. Episode 83 was life insurance for business owners episode 96 how much life insurance do i need and then episode 119 was about whole of life insurance so it is a topic we've we've covered in numerous kind of times and in different ways but like life insurance and protection is really regarded as the cornerstone of financial planning so i thought it was important to to do one again and another show that that may be of interest to, to listeners was episode 12 what to do when someone dies so although it's not to do with life insurance it is relevant in some ways because we will be speaking about death and, and dying on today's show as well. Yeah. You know, if, if anyone listens to this, like I imagine sometimes financial services probably tune in and they, they have like, you know, the Phil Anderson financial podcast drinking game. If he says cornerstone of financial planning, take a drink. Uh, there we go. Life insurance. <laughs> it's just, it just happened. The cornerstone of financial planning. Let's start at the beginning then, Phil. I mean, what exactly is life insurance? Yeah, it's it's an insurance that pays out a sum of money either on your death or or the death of an insured person or after a set period. You do get some life policies where it's got an investment element to it. Um, we'll really touch on that today. We're more speaking about what I would class as pure protection. So just taking out life insurance on either yourself or, or a relevant person. So um, if they were to die, it pays out a, a lump sum or an amount there, depending on what type of policy you have. But again, we'll cover different types of policies as we go through the show today as well. Okay, so what what does it do then? Why exactly would I need life insurance? There's a lot of different reasons why you would take out life insurance. It could be that to cover debts should you die. So a lot of people will take out life insurance when they, they take out a mortgage. So they'll, they'll think, right, if anything happens to me, I want that mortgage paid off. But not just for covering a mortgage, it can also be to cover credit cards, loans, any kind of debts really. It could be to leave money to, to bring up your kids should you die. It could be to pay an inheritance tax bill. That's another reason that, that people will take out life insurance. Other reasons, it might be to replace somebody's income should they die. So let's say you've got a, a joint 
mortgage with, with your partner, one of them dies, they might say, think, right, I would like that policy to pay out a certain amount each month to replace their income that's been lost. People take out life insurance to protect their business. Probably one of the, the main ones as well is to um, to cover funeral costs. That, that's something, that a reason that a lot of people will look at taking out a policy to say, right, I want something to know that if I die, there's money there to, to pay for my, my funeral. And the cost of funerals are, are kind of going up and up over time as well. I do remember I do remember covering that because I thought, crikey, if I'm ever going to afford this, I need to be dying like in the next couple of months. <laughs> um, given, given what it's for... <laughs> Given what it's for, can you ask for for you know a certain amount of cover or a certain premium amount? How designable is yeah. is life insurance? Ah, uh, the the policies are are really flexible. I mean, you you can apply for, for a certain amount of cover over a certain term, or if you had a budget in mind, you you could say, right, I want to pay say ten pounds a month or twenty pounds a month, and then based on your age and stuff, it would give you. X amount of cover. So so some people will do it that way. They'll say, right, I've got a budget of this. How much cover can I get for, for that amount? And what I would do in that situation is go to the different companies and say, look, this is their budget. How much what's how much cover will you pay out if, if anything happens to them? I'd say probably most policies tend to get set up where people will say, right, I want X amount of cover over X amount of years. Certainly the, the ones that are designed to, to pay off mortgages and things tend to be that that way, but policies are really flexible. So a few different ways that you can look at doing things. And, and how do you normally pay for Is it monthly? Is it an annual expense? How does it work out? Most most people pay monthly. It is possible to get policies where you pay annually, but I reckon 99% of the ones that I've seen in the past have tended to be ones where people are paying the premiums on a monthly basis. And are the the monthly? I mean, I'm thinking about covering a mortgage off here, and you know, mortgages rates go up and down, and things like that. Are the monthly payments fixed? Yeah, you, you get guaranteed premiums, and you do also get reviewable premiums. Now, on life insurance, most policies that are taken out are, are guaranteed premiums, so the the premium never changes over time. Reviewable premiums, what they are is, is the premium can go up or down, but it depends on how many claims the, the insurance company is paying out. But you sometimes see that on critical illness policies, but for the majority of life policies that set up, they do tend to be where the payments are guaranteed and, and fixed for the, the term that someone's got it. You, you can get some guaranteed premium plans where the payments will go up, but that usually because the level of cover is going up. So some people might say, right, I, I want my cover to be index linked in line with inflation. So let's say inflation is 10%. The amount of cover goes up by that, but the premium will go up by, say, 10% as well. So that, that's an example of where the premiums can be guaranteed, but can still be rising as well. Okay. Now, from what I remember, there's more than one type of life insurance cover. And we're going to come on to that in a second. But I, I think, Phil, that the thing that always bothers me most when it comes to financial advice is, and, and I'm not alone in this, you simply don't want to look stupid by asking a question where you'll come across as thick, right? And part of the beauty of our podcast is the fact that I'm not afraid to ask those questions. So get ready because yeah. here come a few. You mentioned earlier that if you have a, a certain amount that you can put towards a life insurance policy then yeah. you know you go 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 around the go around the houses go around the, the various companies one 
which sort of companies are we are we talking about trying first of all that's that's probably the, the main question who who would you have in your mind if you were going to go and do that yeah i mean the, the, there's a lot of different providers that that do life insurance so you, you've got like some of the big ones legal in general liverpool victoria aviva and royal london scottish widows so they they're like the big sort of players in the market but you depend on someone's circumstances i mean for example if someone's got diabetes there's an insurer called Pulse that are very good for, for that. Royal London, they're a, another one, they're a, more a mainstream company that, that does cover for that as well. So um, there is, there's so many different companies out there, different ways that you can look for cover. I mean, there, there's comparison websites, but we'll, we'll go into the reasons why later. But speaking to a financial advisor is a, a good mm-hmm. thing, and I'll cover off why that is just a little later on in the show. Okay, and, and the other slight fear that I had, you know, if you go in and you say, I've got this much available per month. Is there any level at which an insurer is not going to say, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't do a, a plan for you with with that little? Yeah, you, you'll find. I mean, you can take policies out from probably as little as about five pounds a month. Really, you, you can take policies out from. What, what you tend to find is that I mean, it, it really. I mean, we'll, we'll come to costs soon as well, but yeah. it all depends on a, a whole range of, of factors. But the, there are companies out there that will do premium, monthly premiums from as low as like five pounds a month. And one thing I always say is having some cover is better than than no cover at all. Again, if you speak to a financial advisor, they can look at your budget, but they can also look at your needs as well, and that that's quite an important thing. Okay, and and lastly, Phil, I always think when we're talking about life insurance, age must come into play at some point. Is, is there is there an age or a, a cutoff point at which stage um, insurers are not going to look at you anymore for life insurance because it's not worth it? Yeah, I mean, you can't take out life insurance at any age. I mean, obviously, the the older you are when you take it out, then the the, the more expensive it is going to cost. But it is you you can take out cover. Like for a set term or to a set age, that that's another thing as well. But there, there are there's lots of different options out there. And just going through the the show today, I mean, if if I go through like some some of the types of cover that you get, okay, you've well, got yeah. for example level term. So that you've you've got level term life insurance. So the way that works is you've got cover for a set period, and it pays out the same amount regardless. So if you died after one year or died after 10 years, however long that policy's for, if you die within that period, it pays out a level amount. Another type of policy you can get is what's called a convertible term policy. Now, it's similar to a level term plan. However, the main difference is that you can convert that to what's called a whole of life assurance policy. So that's one that's guaranteed to pay out a set amount on on your death. Don't come across these just all that often, but what happens when you do convert the policy, it's usually done without any health questions at the date that the plan is is converted. Type of insurance that we come across a lot is is decreasing term or or mortgage protection cover. So like my work, we do a lot of mortgages at Phil Anderson Financial Services and a lot of mortgage clients will take out cover to pay off the mortgage. So if they were to die, the amount of cover starts off at whatever your mortgage is. And then over time, it comes down as your, your mortgage is, is coming down. One advantage of that is it's going to be cheaper than a level term policy. I suppose the disadvantage is that it just pays off the mortgage and there's nothing else left like beyond that. Another type of cover that somebody can take out is what's called family income benefit. 
So it's a, a decrease in life policy, but the benefits paid out each month rather than it being paid out as a lump sum. So on a level term policy, it pays out the amount right at the very start in a, a lump sum, whereas family income benefit might pay you the benefit you could say, right, it's going to be £1,000 each month until the, the end of the term. So it, it's a bit like a, a decrease in policy, but rather than paying out a lump sum, it pays out an amount monthly to you. Another type of cover you can get is, is increasing cover. So that's one where the cover goes up over time, and this can be set at a, a specific rate. So I mentioned earlier, some people might say, right, I want my policy to go up each year in line with inflation or up each year with average earnings. So like, if you take out £100,000 a life cover now, in 10 years' time, a hundred grand's not going to be worth 100000 as it is now. So some people like increasing cover where, where the level of cover goes up. And then another option as well is you, you get what's called fifties plans. And these are a bit like whole of life policies. And quite often people are accepted with these without any medical or, or health questions. And these can often be used to cover funeral costs as well. But what you tend to find with some of these plans though, is that they won't pay out maybe if a claim's made within the first year or first 18 months of, of having the plan. So lots of different types of policies out there that people can be considering. You did mention we'll probably talk about death at some point, and it just crossed my mind. When you're talking about some of these plans will cover funeral expenses, there is also the idea of having a funeral plan in itself, just to, you know, you pay money and you get your own funeral covered and all the costs associated right. with it. Yeah. Is there one or the other that seems to be more popular or that is better than the other when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, funeral plans are similar in a way. I mean, you get funeral plans where you can pay the amount is a lump sum or you can pay them up monthly. So they, they are a bit similar to some of these over 50s plans. I, I guess with a funeral plan, it is designed specifically for yeah. funeral costs, whereas the, the over guaranteed over 50s plans, you might earmark it for, a, for paying off your funeral, but it could be used for, for anything else, depending where the money goes upon your death. Sure. Now, if you're in a relationship, Phil, is it is it possible to take out joint cover? And, and if so... Is that a better option than two separate policies? Well, policies can be taken out in joint names. Now, I must admit, I personally like doing single life plans. Now, it usually costs around 10% more, just as a general kind of rule of thumb. But what it means is that if one person makes a claim, the other person has still got cover in place. Whereas with a joint policy, once a claim's made, the cover would usually cease at that point in time. Also, if, let's say, both people, if it was a joint policy, let, let's say both people died in like a plane crash or a car crash, for example. I mean, that's quite extreme mm. circumstances. But possible. if yeah. something like that happened, pays out twice rather than, again, just the, the one payout that you would oh, get okay. on a, a joint policy. So so I would say for, for the difference in the cost, I mean, it, like, it adds about 10% roughly, but... It's quite good. I mean, when somebody's taking out a joint policy, you're not thinking about people splitting up. But if someone separates, you've then got separate cover each at that point as well. So I, I do like the option of having your own plan. And what you might also find is if you're trying to do a joint plan, one person might have medical issues and maybe can't get cover. So I, I don't know. I like the idea of having the, the separate policies. That's just my personal kind of preference on things. I've heard some life insurers do what's called low start plans. What are they? 
Yeah, low start plans. They're ones where the, the monthly premium starts off lower, but then it'll go up after a set period. These can actually be quite good for people who are maybe, for example, moving home. It means that, for example, just at the beginning a moving house, you maybe got things like furniture to fork out up for, maybe solicitor's fees, that type of thing. So for some people, if the payments are lower to begin with, that can help them out. And then after a period of time, their wages have maybe gone up and then they can afford the, the premiums to be a bit more in the future. Now, you mentioned earlier, just recapping this one for me because I didn't quite take it at the time. Do you take cover out yeah. for a set term or, or can you do it to say a certain age? You, you can't do either. A lot here will depend what you want the life insurance for. Now, if it was to protect a mortgage, you'd be taking out the cover for a set term in that instance. If it was to cover or protect, for example, your children, you might say, right, I want it to be up to a certain age. So you, you might think, right, when would my kids likely be self-dependent? Would it be at age 18, at age 21? <laughs> so that might be an example of when you'd say, right, I want that to last until this particular mm. term. So so it can. So taking out cover, it can be various sort of set terms or to a set age. So some people say, right, I want cover up until I retire at whatever age that may be. So lots of different options there as well. I was going to say, Phil, one of the things that, that crosses my mind, and I'm sort of coming back to this idea of covering a mortgage with an insurance policy is in the times that we're living in now, there are probably a lot of people who've extended the life of their mortgage to make the monthly repayments cheaper, or maybe someone's gone away and done some sort of work on their house to increase the value of the house. All these things would affect the, the insurance policy, wouldn't they? Yeah, the, well, the, the insurance policy would remain as it is, but I suppose things like that affect your needs for for it. So, for example, if, if someone's borrowing more money on their mortgage or extending yeah. the term, so some existing policies do have what's called a guaranteed insurability option. So if someone's moving home and borrowing more, or if they're doing a further advance for home improvements, there may be options on an existing policy to, to change that without any medical questions being asked. But it all comes down to the person's needs. And, you know, John, that, that's something that happens so much is that someone will maybe extend the term on the mortgage to maybe make the payments cheaper, but they then forget that their insurance is tailored to what it was originally. So good good chance to to kind of sit down and, and look at things if, if that's the kind of scenario that someone's in. And in, in that event, Phil, rather than go straight to the insurance company, you go to a financial advisor, presumably. Yeah, I mean, what a financial advisor will do is they'll look to see, right, can we amend the policy that you've got? Do we replace it with a whole new policy or do we top it up, with, with keep your existing policy and maybe take out an extra cover? So they would look at all of that sort of options for you. Okay, and one of the things I've heard of before as well, what's a renewable policy exactly? Yeah, this is an option where you can take out a new policy after the original policy ends, usually without having to provide any evidence of health. So okay. it's not something you see all that often, but that, that's what a, a renewable policy is. Okay, and again, in terms of sort of tailoring... So it can something, be renewed at the end. Yeah, and again, in terms of sort of tailoring something to make it adaptable and, and bespoke. Can you incorporate the likes of critical illness cover into a plan? Is it a good idea to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth considering. And many providers, they'll let you add things like critical illness cover to your life insurance. Again, we've done a whole podcast episode previously on critical illness cover. I can't remember 
what episode that number that one was, but critical illness cover pays out if you're diagnosed. If you suffer a critical illness and it meets the insurer's definition, the main things that they pay out on are cancer, heart attack, stroke. That that tends to be the, the main things that they pay out on, but it covers a whole host of different things. But yeah, it, it can be tailored and, and added into a policy as well, usually. Now, no two lives are the same, so two, I imagine, no two life insurance policies are identical. But what are the drivers for the difference in in how much someone might have to pay? I mean, what what impacts the cost of life insurance? Yeah, things like your your age is a, a significant factor. So again, I mentioned the younger you are when you take out a policy, usually the cheaper the, the premiums are going to be. I, I suppose you're, the older you are, the more likely you are to, to die. So age is a big factor. Occupation can impact it. So for example, if you've got a, a real heavy like manual job that that's going to impact your your life expectancy maybe compared to say an office worker so occupation can impact it if someone's a smoker or, or non-smoker and also all these e-cigarettes and vapes mm. if if you're on them the the insurance companies will class you as a smoker as well <laughs> so that's that's something that's that's an interesting point to make but other things that impact the the premiums your family med Medical history can impact that. Things like being overweight and also underweight. I have seen occasions where, uh, I remember one lassie we set up cover for, she was just skin and bones and she actually got rated, which means the premiums were increased because they, they actually saw her as being severely underweight. So right. insurers will take that sort of thing into account as well. But the, the costs are also impacted by things like the amount of cover you're taking out, term of the cover, and how much cover you're taking out. So a lot of different factors there as to, to how much it's going to cost. Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking about occupations and thinking, you know, like to Tom Cruise when he's jumping out of planes all the time or, <laughs> uh, or do you remember, do you remember the fall guy, Lee Majors, the stuntman? <laughs> He'd have had a hard just, job as well. It's funny, I was just going to say, actually, things like if you take part in maybe a high risk hobby or sport, so let, let's say you're doing motor sports, that can impact on, yeah. on it as well. Like you say, if someone's doing parachuting and all that, is it like going in caves, jumping off yep. rock, like cliffs, all that kind of thing can, can impact it as well. Given I've just said that we're all different, I mean, there probably isn't an answer to this, but maybe you could have a blast at sort of averaging outfill. Roughly how much does it cost to, to set up a policy? Do you know what it does? It varies so much based on all, all that sort of factors. And to, to try and get an indicative quote, if you go to philandersonfinancial.co.uk slash insurance, we, we've got, it's almost like a little comparison, almost like our own little comparison website where you can go on there and just get an idea of what it's going to cost you based on like your age it doesn't ask for a lot of details, but it's quite good. It gives you an instant quote in less than 60 seconds. It's quick, simple, and free to use as well. And it'll search the, the leading providers in the UK just for, for sort of general terms. So it gives you an indicative sort of figure as to how much it's going to cost you. But one thing I always say to people, if they are replacing any existing policies, never cancel your current plans mm until the replacement policy is accepted by the insurer and it terms that you're happy with. That's always a, an important point to, to note as well, because we do get some people who say, look, can you compare what I've got and see if there's anything cheaper out there? Cost of life insurance over the years, because people have been living longer, it's actually something that for a while came down in, in cost. So it's always worth reviewing policies if, if you've got them in place. But just to get an idea, cost, 
cost if, if you go to philandersonfinancial.co.uk slash insurance, you'll be able to put in some details there and it'll give you, like I say, a, an instant quote in less than 60 seconds. Yeah, uh, costs come down over over the last few years. You know, it's always refreshing in today's world, Phil. <laughs> the, the the big providers, who who tends to be best for that sort of thing? Is it just, are you just as well going on to the, that website that you were talking about there, your own website and, and using the compare tool? Yeah, I mean, the... the, the... So the, your your main providers, you, you've got like Aviva, Legal in General, Royal London, Zurich, a lot of these big insurance companies. I, I mentioned as well that there are a lot of specialist insurers out there. So the, the one I mentioned earlier was Pulse, who are quite good for people with diabetes. Royal London are also good for, for them as well. I often say like it, it's good to go and speak to a financial advisor because they can help in a lot of different ways. If you've got maybe pre-existing medical conditions, if you've maybe recently stopped smoking, if you've any family history or medical conditions, these are all good times to maybe go and speak to a financial advisor because they'll have the knowledge to look and know what providers are maybe good, be good for, for you. Same as well, if, if you've got a high-risk occupation or take part, we mentioned as well, like high-risk sports, then again, that's another good reason to speak to a financial advisor. And another one as well is if, if you're a company director, there's what's called a relevant life plan. And sometimes if you've got a limited company, you can do your life insurance through the business and it can save more than 50% on the, the premiums for you. So right. lots of good reasons to, to speak to a financial advisor. But the other place, I mean, you, you can go on the comparison websites to get an idea of what insurance is going to cost for you. The only thing with life insurance is they're not going to give you sort of tailored advice like you would get from an independent financial advisor. And also a financial advisor, they can help you with things like the paperwork, completing the application. And an important one as well is they can actually help you put your plans in trust, which we'll, we'll cover in a few moments as well. Okay. So lots of reasons to take financial advice when you're you're looking at taking out life insurance. And, and like I mentioned earlier, even just to get indicative quotes, if you go on to philandersonfinancial.co.uk slash insurance, within 60 seconds, you can just get an idea of what the, the costs are going to be for you as well based on, on that. Excellent. Now, it, just before we got on to um, putting a policy into trust, Phil, is there any way that I could refuse life insurance? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I was having a look. I mean, some of the things, like looking at the claim statistics is quite important. Now, around 98% of life insurance claims are paid out by insurers. If someone is, isn't accepted for life insurance, so if you've maybe had a lot of medical issues, it might cause insurers not to, to insure you. But if you do get insured, the, the good news is that insurers have got a good track record of paying out claims on life insurance. Legal in general, they're one of the, the big insurance companies. I, I had a look at their claim statistics for 2022. They paid out 12,571 life insurance claims, totaling 509 million in wow. that period. Now, they paid out almost 97% of, of all the claims that, that were made. The shortest period a plan had been enforced before they paid out a claim was just five days. So somebody took out a policy and died five days later, which is just crazy. The average policy was in force for nine years. Was That was their claim statistics in, in 2022. And the youngest claimant was just 23 years old. Wow. Also had a look at the, the claim statistics from Aviva. They paid out 99.4% of all life insurance and terminal illness claims. And that was a total amount of 683 million that, that they paid out. 
if you've got life insurance, most policies will also include what's called terminal illness. So if you're usually within, as long as it's not within the last year of having the policy, if you're diagnosed with a terminal illness and given less than a year to live, a lot of the life insurance policies will pay out early. So it gives you that money that for, for whatever reasons that you can use just before your, your death. The, the main reasons that life insurance claims aren't paid out, it's usually because of like non-disclosure of information when the policy was taken out. Another, you asked as well about times, things that might not be covered. Most providers will cover suicide, but not in the first year when the, the plan is taken out. So there's some like exemptions and okay. certain things. And one thing that I was going to mention as well, just while it's come into the top of my head, is that if you've got, it's always worth checking with your employer to see if you've got death and service benefits, because... I do tend to find people tend to overestimate what they've got in, in death and service. They often think, right, I've got 10 times my salary if I die or four times or whatever it is. But it's often good just to double check with your employer, if you're employed, what death and service benefits you've got. Because you may have some cover through that. The only downside is if you change job, that cover would be, be gone at that point in time. Sounds like one of those things where companies could end up paying out a lot of money. So I imagine it's probably one of those benefits are being slowly phased out. One of the other things that I've heard of as well, Phil, and you mentioned it a moment or two ago, why would you set up a policy in trust? Explain that to me. Yeah, putting a life life insurance policy in trust, it's a great way to ensure that your beneficiaries receive the payout in a tax-efficient way when you're gone. So the good thing is policies and trusts don't form part of your estate, so they, there will be no inheritance tax to, to pay on that. It means that the policy is paid to the right people, but also means it's paid in a timely manner. If it's in trust, you don't have to wait for probate or for your will. Policies and trust will pay usually a, a lot quicker. The other great thing with putting a policy in trust is free to do. So um, it, it's... A no-brainer, really. You would be if the cover was on you. You're gone, but you've got the peace of mind knowing that it's going to go to who you wanted to go to, and also pay out to them really quickly. Now, given the times that we're living in, uh, we're we're all looking to sort of jettison unessential costs, and given the fact the concept of life insurance when you're young seems you know utterly ridiculous. I imagine it's not a spend which is especially big until you reach a certain age or you become a, a house owner, maybe. Here's your chance, Phil, to explain why it's so important, why we should try to keep paying the policy, if at all possible. Yeah, life, life insurance is it's such an important thing. And like I said right at the start of the show, protection is often seen as the cornerstone of financial planning. And what you've got to do is look at things like, it, it, it's kind of trying to say, how, how would you fund your funeral if you were to die? How would your family cope if you're not there? Could you pay the mortgage if your partner died? And it's kind of looking at all these questions and saying, have you got the answer to that? So it's so important. And I always say some cover is better than no cover. So I know just now a lot of people are trying to cut their costs and and their outgoings, but it's such an important thing for, for so many people, looking at what your individual needs are and then trying to decide what do you need and, and what are you happy to have and what can you afford to, to have? Sometimes it's a case of what, what can you afford can you afford not to have it? That's that's a thing. Just on on the, and I don't really want to go down this avenue too far, but it just occurred to me, rather than a sort of banding a policy altogether, is it possible, like sometimes it can be with mortgages, to pause 
a policy and go back to it? Some some companies will let you amend policies. So so you maybe got a certain amount of cover, and then you maybe think, right, I'd like to to reduce the amount. I mean, you, you can look at replacing policies, but like I say, there's a danger if you've maybe had some sort of medical things since you took it out, that would be a reason to maybe keep a stick away with what you've got. And in that case, you probably wouldn't want to reduce the, the cover that you, you've got. But some some policies are quite flexible. So um, I, I used to do a lot of policies with Scotch Provident years ago. Now, they, they're now Royal London, but they, they've got what's called menu plans. And they, they're really flexible. You, you can increase the cover, decrease the cover, they're quite flexible. So again, it depends on the provider and the, the type of policy you've got. But rather than just, I, I've seen it so many times in the past where someone's thought, right, I want to cut down on my outgoings. I'm just going to completely cancel this. I, I've done it before myself. I, I remember my very first mortgage, the advisor I spoke to was like, right, you need life insurance, you need critical illness cover, you need income protection. I was paying heaps and I couldn't have, couldn't afford it. I was on a, a wage about 12 grand a year, and I was paying out like £120 a month for, for all these policies. I couldn't afford it. And in the end, I actually cancelled the whole lot, which was a stupid thing to do. But luckily, I managed to take out different cover again in, in the future. But it is, it's it's kind of easy to think, right, I'll, I'll look at cutting my outgoings. Do I need this? Do I not? It's, it's good to weigh it all up and, and see what your kind of individual needs are really you just know it'll be the day that you walk out of the back garden and get hit by forked lightning it's just it's going to be that day <laughs> um summarize for me if you can phil the, the key takeaways for this one then on life insurance yeah i would say life insurance for so many people it's something that's so important to, to consider i mean the, the questions that i mentioned a few moments ago how would you how would your funeral be paid if you were to die how would your family cope if you're not there could you pay the mortgage if your partner died? What would happen to your debts if you die? So they're the sort of questions. If if you don't know the answer to that, then maybe it is time you you were looking at life insurance. Now comes the uh, the part of the show where Phil looks back over the course of his own life, both professionally and personally, to find an example of how today's topics affected his own situation. So Phil, today we're looking at life insurance. What do you have in that? Yeah, I've got plenty of cover in place to to protect my kids um, if I die. Uh, my policies are all in trust, meaning that they pay out quickly and, and also not form part of my state as well, which is good for the, the inheritance tax planning. I, I've also got cover. I've got life insurance on my ex-partner, and that's something that's really important. It costs me, it's like 20-odd pound a month that I pay for, for it, but it gives me peace of mind that if anything happens to her, I've got money to look after the kids because I would need to take time off work to look after them. So my earnings would, would be impacted by that. So taking out life insurance on an ex-partner or spouse can be such an important thing. That, like I said, I think it was episode seven we, we did the podcast on that particular topic. And that's something that, that's really important to me as well. So sometimes it's not just life insurance on yourself, but it can sometimes be on like other relevant people that, that's in your life as well. Yeah, I remember, I actually remember recording that episode because I remember saying to you, it, you know, it, it is really important, but it feels like an episode of Columbo, you know, where you're trying to cash in and someone <laughs> getting bumped off. Next, it's time for, for quote of the week. Uh, and Phil's always been a fan and collector of quotes. Uh, what do you have in our topic for this week on life insurance, Phil? Yeah, one, one from Albert Einstein this week. The future is unknown, but a somewhat predictable unknown. To look to the future, we must first look back upon the past that is where the seeds of the future were planted. I never think of the future. It comes soon enough. Mm. 
Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your queries. So if ever you want to email a question to us directly, please do. And as always, we can ask it anonymously if that's how you prefer it. Let's get on to this week's uh, contact details for you to get in touch coming up in a minute. I'll give it to you after these. This first one's from Peter who says, Hi, Phil. I know you get various types of mortgage, but what's the average percentage of deposit I need to raise if I'm looking to buy a property? So is it, you know, 20, is it 30%? What's that he's looking at, Phil? Well, at the moment, if, if you're a renter, Skipton's now got their, their 100% track record mortgage. That's one where you don't need any deposit, but there's set criteria on that. And again, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on, on that particular topic. That mortgage is available in England, Scotland, and Wales. It's not available in, in Northern Ireland. But so that's one option where you don't need any deposit. But most lenders, they're generally looking for you to have at least 5 to 10% to be able to put down as a deposit. If you can put down 15 to 20% deposit, then the interest rates are going to be lower for you at that point, making the, the monthly payments less. But again, that's probably a good opportunity to, to speak to an independent mortgage broker or a financial advisor who does mortgages, and they would be able to give you quotes as to what all the, the costs and the benefits. The more, more money you put down as a deposit, usually the, the lower the interest rates are going to be for you on your, your monthly payments. Okay, and next up, here's one from Stuart in Forfer, who says, Hi, Phil. I'm at an age where I'm looking to get all my finances in order, which makes it sound like I'm about to die. But I've had a lot of jobs and a lot of pensions to the point I've lost a lot of the paperwork for some of them. Is there any way I can find out online how many policies I've had and how I can access the ones I've lost the paperwork for? We've done a podcast episode previously on tracing lost pensions, so Stuart might find that one useful. What I often say to people is if you get any statements through in the post, try and keep them. But it, often people will move house and they never change address on certain things. So it is easy for policies to kind of disappear or you don't know who they're with. And another thing that often happens is companies sometimes get taken over mm. by somebody else, they change name, and it, it can be easy to lose track on, on things. Financial advisors, they can try and help obtain plan information from, from some providers they might have a knowledge as well. If if a company got taken over by another one and changed names, there's a good chance they, they would know about that and, and might be able to help in that respect. But probably a good place for Stuart to try this, what's called the, the unclaimed asset register. They, they charge a small fee, but they can often help you track down kind of like old policies and things as well. So unclaimed assets register, that might be worth a, a try for Stuart in this instance. I remember when we recorded the podcast on, on pensions, which had gone unclaimed, and the amount that had not actually been <laughs> which not actually been paid out, it was a huge amount of money, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I can't remember the figure, but it was a lot of, lot of oh, money, yeah. Yeah, we're talking millions. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue, because we've covered a lot of topics so far, and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us for episode 142 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil 
at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send me a question, and like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. Please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.